Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. I ask the silly questions and Matt is the industry expert. Oh, really? Mm. It's all brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. In this episode, we're going to be talking to somebody who's making a little bit of a profit uh, on the motorhome that they ordered a couple of years ago. They're being delivered now and the market has changed. We're delving into that a little bit later. But first of all, let's uh, go into our news. Uh, questions for the Shepton Show with John Gooch. Southwest Motorhome and Campervan Show at the Royal Bath and West Showground. I'm on stage with John Gooch. We're doing a session together on the transition from diesel to electric. This whole big topic that's coming in 2030 and 2035. And we want you to be part of this session. We're anticipating it's going to be a bit of a discussion. That we're raising more questions than we are answers. So if you're able to come along, it's on Saturday, 2.30 at the show. We'd love to see you and have your participation in it. If you can't be there, then send us your comment, observation or query. You can do that at motomat.co.uk forward slash ask Matt and we may well include that in this discussion it's going to be an exciting session John and I have never really done anything like this together before uh, so a lot of time and thoughts gone into it so we're looking forward to it Saturday afternoon 2.30 Southwest Motorhome and Campervan Show see you there and the Western Motorhome and Campervan Show at Malvern now you've got something uh, to save people money haven't you we have you can and you can do this at the Shepton Show as well Motorhome Matt Enter the discount code and get a discount on your ticket price. Happy days. On both shows? On all my, all Warner's shows, actually. So and all the shows coming up this autumn. Brilliant. OK, so what website do you go to? So, yeah, just go to outandaboutlive.co.uk forward slash shows. And put in motorhome mat at all one word. And that website ad- address again? outandaboutlive.co.uk forward slash shows. So save by putting the code motorhome Matt in. Uh, Rishi Sunak is on the side of motorists, putting some clear blue water between him and the Labour Party with the general election on the way next year. The Uxbridge and Hillingdon by-election showed uh, with ULES, uh, the London uh, clean air zone, being extended out from the centre of London to take in all London boroughs. It, it showed during that election uh, that people feel strongly about it and they voted for Conservatives. Uh, they weren't expected to hold the seat. It was expected to go to Labour, but they held on to it by about, I think, 495 votes. So now Rishi Sunak sees that being the friend of the motorist is the place to be politically. More on this. I'm sure there will be, yeah. I saw Quentin Wilson, the lovely Quentin, put a post on LinkedIn about this. And he said in his whole working life, he has never, ever had a leading politician on the side of the motorist, ever, until now. And not just a politician, the Prime Minister. Well, it's taken politicians a while to understand that motorists are also voters. <laughs> Who'd have thought, mm. dearie me? Well, we'll see how this evolves. What impact will it have on us as motorhomes? Well, if the ULED zones are taken away and you're driving a Euro 4 motorhome, it's going to have a direct impact on your pocket, isn't it? Do you think they'll take them away? I can't see it happening, but you you never know what might happen. Politics is a funny old business. A week in politics is a very long time, as Harold Wilson once said. But maybe they just won't scale them out quite as far into the kind of peripherals of the city. They're doing it in Bristol. It's a nightmare. 
The thing with it is, if we're going to go over to electric and more and more electric cars are being sold, what they're not getting is the duty and VAT from fuel sales. So uh, they have to make up all that money, which is billions and billions of pounds over the next few years with other taxes. And these clean air zones, whether you like it or not, are other taxes. Yeah. And what will happen to the cost of electricity? I mean, there's a big campaign to cut the VAT on electric because we're all going to be using that as fuel. That will never happen, surely. Uh, when the Brexit campaign was taking place, uh, we were told that uh, the 5% levy, the VAT, uh, would uh, be taken off after Brexit. Still hasn't happened. Still waiting. Yeah. Oh, well, let's carry on, shall we? Uh, this is the Motorhome Map podcast brought to you with that leisureshop.com uh, with me, Keith Gooden, and Motorhome Matt, our expert. Our product of the week this week is a brilliant one, Outdoor Chef Barbecues. Yeah, we've got freestanding ones. So you, you stand them on the floor and stand up and cook, or tabletop ones. And this week, they're all 20% off. So we are embracing the summer. It's finally here. 20% off, that means you don't have to do sausages on your barbecue. You can do fillet steak with the money you've saved. <laughs> you, I always do fillet steak. Yeah. And spring onions. They're my latest new fad. Are they? On the barbecue. Yeah. Thanks to my Michelin star chef friend. Lemon drizzle. Just cut a lemon in half, squeeze it over them. I'll tell you what, they're amazing. My new favourite thing. So that's outdoor chef barbecue. Yeah, so 20% off. How that. can people see them? Go to thatledgershop.com and you'll find them on there. Just search barbecue or outdoor chef. They are superb. They're all gas barbecues and they are brilliant. I've got one. Superb. It's the Motorhome Map podcast brought to you with thatledgershop.com. The main meat, after talking about barbecues, uh, of our podcast <laughs> this uh, week is selling and reselling, taking delivery of your pandemic motorhome. Quick explanation. A lot of people put orders in, didn't they, after the pandemic for motorhomes? And mm. they were told it's going to be two years before you get it. Apparently now, Matt. Probably told it's going to be six months. <laughs> <laughs> They're being delivered now. They are. The stock is starting to come through uh, and they are now arriving. And many people, as you say, bought them 18 months or two years ago, placed the order and it got delayed and delayed. And two years later, it's arriving. But meanwhile... They've gone and bought maybe a second-hand one or an ex-demo one. And so they're enjoying their motorhome, but they chose to keep the deposit pegged on the new one, which had a price fees promise on it. So they had a contract with the dealer, yes. with the deposit. Okay, Correct. They've signed a contract. It might have been £500, yeah. and they keep the order in place. 18 months later, it's arrived. But the price freeze meant they may have paid, let's say, £75,000 for it 18 months ago. It's now retail £86,000. And so these people are buying them and then putting them back on the open market and making some money. And this has been happening a lot throughout our industry. Uh, some people have indeed made some money, but the market is starting to slow down. And I'm intrigued to know if you've done this and have you caught cold? Are you stuck now with two motorhomes and facing a dilemma as to which one you sell? So... Just to repeat it slowly for the likes of me, people place their order, would be 18 months, two years ago mm -hmm. for a motorhome, give the deposit to the dealer and uh, sign a contract for delivery of the motorhome. Because of pandemic issues, war in Ukraine issues, the manufacturer was delayed, but now they are being delivered. You agreed a price with the dealer, say £75,000, and in the meantime, you went and bought your own second-hand, just to see you through, second-hand yeah. motorhome. You didn't want to wait. Just to see you through. Now... Your motorhome is turning up and your £75,000 motorhome, you know, is now worth, say, £85,000. So what do you do? 
Yeah. Is that you? What do you do? What are you doing about it? I actually saw a lady post something on social media um, of her story where she had done exactly this. She'd bought a motorhome, been told it was delayed, so didn't want to wait, had a trip of a lifetime planned, headed off to Croatia, and meanwhile, while she was there in her now-owned second-hand motorhome, a new one arrived. So I ordered my first ever motorhome when I sold my house. I was promised it in June of last year, latest, okay? And it got to June and there was no sign of it. And I was like, okay. And I got plans for the summer. But when did you order it, Claire? I ordered it in January last year. And I had no indication there was going to be major delays. The dealer seemed confident. So I went, I went online and I said, oh, you know, I've, I've got all these plans. Is anyone else experiencing these delays? You know, because I really don't want to write, write off my summer. I'd um, made arrangements to have a, a big block of time off in the summer. The Motorhome Happiness Group came up with this, the name of a, um, another dealer who I'd never heard of and said, contact them. So basically I went to them and they were a hire company and they were really helpful. And they had a whole fleet coming off hire um, in July. And they said, if you want one, we've got a spec that suits your spec. And I didn't even think about it, really. <laughs> I just thought, I can do this. I can now go off for three months in the summer, four months, actually, it turned out to, with a spec that I want, an automatic, which was really important to me as a first time motorhomer. So he sent me a video walk around tour of the van. I thought, yeah, yeah, that looks amazing. Put a deposit down. And then I started my adventure. I heard that you fell in love with it and then had a dilemma when the new one actually arrived because you didn't cancel the new one, did you? No, I kept the new one on order because I thought, well, it's sensible. You know, I, I want a new motorhome, low mileage, you know, the full warranty and all of those things. I was trying to have my sensible head on. And literally two weeks before this trip was planned, so at the beginning of May of this year, I got a call from the dealer saying, you know, and this is like obviously, you know, nearly 18 months after I'd ordered the first one, saying, oh, your motorhome is ready for collection from Italy. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> you know, I've got all these plans, my Eurotunnel, you know, insurance, I've got everything sorted. And I was still working and I was like, I've got no possibility at all of doing a transfer of this vehicle and everything that I've got involved with it to the new vehicle in time to be going away on the 10th of May. It's just not going to happen. I really had two really bad sleepless nights. I phoned a couple of dealers. I spoke to a lot of people and people were saying, oh, you'd be best to buy the, the, the new one. And I just didn't know what to do at all. And then I had a moment of clarity and I just thought, you love the van you've got, you've created memories in it, you got used to it, you know, yeah, it's got a higher mileage maybe than some, of, it's a 21 plate and it's, it's got about 25,000 miles on it now. But all the snagging issues have been dealt with and I was really concerned I was going to buy this new van, go abroad, you know, and I was heading down to Croatia and Montenegro and then I'd have all these snagging issues and I'd be on the road and I would have no way of sorting them out. That was really what sold it to me, really. I just, I went back to the dealer. I said, look, I can't do this in the time frame. What do you think? And he said, well, if you buy the van from us, we will then take a flat fee commission, sell it on for you. We won't register it to you. So it'll be new registration to the people who buy it from you. And we'll take a flat fee commission and we'll manage the, the stress of it and all the paperwork for you. And at that moment in time, that seemed like the most sensible thing to do. So I went with it. 
So you are now own two motorhomes. Yeah, we're two months on, and he kind of led me to believe, and I'd led, been led to believe that motorhomes were in high demand, you know, especially automatics, you know, people weren't able to get them in time. So I kind of got, got led to believe that this was going to be a quick turnaround. Um, and we're two months on, and it isn't sold yet, and I don't understand why. <laughs> Financially, what's the impact for you, Claire? I sold down some investments. So when I sold my house, I put some of the money into investments, uh, which is basically my pension pot. So the impact for me is not having, you know, a big lump sum, a chunk of money in my ownership anymore. Right. You know, it's an asset, which at the moment is something I don't want and don't need. Um, so that's the impact for me. And it's worrying. You know, it is worrying. And I don't really understand what the issue is. Thank you ever so much, Claire, for taking the time out from your trip to Croatia. Wow, it's beautiful in the background behind the camera. An amazing place. She's there on the edge of a lake. And enjoy the rest of your trip, Claire. And thank you again for taking time out to speak to me. Really appreciate it. What about the dealers in this? Because they've taken the deposit a couple of years ago, 18 months ago. Finally, it's been delivered. They've held on to the deposit. It's a contract. People are getting the motorhomes. And I suppose some people will just say, just resell that motorhome for me and we'll we'll split the, the profit on it. Does that work for a dealer? Yeah, it can do. I mean, observers are saying, uh, well, I'll just pull out. The dealer will sell it again for, you know, for more money. Uh, in actual fact, what's happening for some manufacturers is that they are asking the dealer for the name of the customer that has placed the deposit and then they're asking to see the v5 so the registration document with that name on to prove that the dealer has sold it and registered it to that customer Uh, and if the dealer doesn't do that so that the customer pulls out and they sell it again for the increased price the manufacturer is invoicing them the increased supply price. So people have this perception that, you know, the dealers paid, I don't know, 65k for a 70k motorhome, and then they go and sell it for 86. Well, if that's the case, they're going to be billed 75k for it. Uh, And the manufacturers are asking for this evidence. And this is going on in the background. So it's not as simple as you think. And I see people throwing this accusation at the dealer network all the time. Um, But it's not that simple. Worth saying as well that dealers aren't always very keen for you to pull out of a sale because the market has slowed down. So now trying to sell that motorhome for 86k is much more of a challenge than it was trying to sell it for 75. And I think the market has slowed. People have got savvy. The cost of living crisis, we'll come to that in a moment. But interestingly though, Claire has now sold that motorhome. The dealer has sold it for her and she's made over £8,500. So it worked for Claire, just took longer than she anticipated. So it was a worthwhile venture for her in partnership with the dealer who has now managed to sell it. But for the person who placed that order, it's risk and reward, isn't it? Because they were taking yeah. a risk. It's easy to forget, isn't it? Uh, after the pandemic, at the beginning of the Ukraine war, we had those supply issues. It's easy to forget just how dodgy, let's face it, you know, businesses were just staying alive, staying in business. And these people who have paid these deposits and shown faith in dealers and manufacturers, well... If it suddenly turns their way and they can make a bit of money, why not? Why not? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. And why not? It's a free world, isn't it? It's a capitalist part of the world we live in. Um, and to a point, you are free to do that. Um, but my point is, if you are one of those people considering doing that, so you do fund the motorhome at the price that was promised, you know, the frozen price, and then you go out to the market to sell it, 
it might not sell quite as quickly as it would have done 18 months ago. Well, people are paying five, six, seven, eight, a thousand pounds more on their mortgages if they're in the 35, 45 year old uh, age bracket. And outside that, I, I know that. But, you know, pe- the cost of living crisis and the increase in interest rates for homeowners has made uh, finances, uh, again, that word, very dodgy. And most homes are going to be one of those things which are going to be relegated to the second division for a while, aren't they? Potentially, yeah. I mean, we saw post COVID. That age group you referenced then, that 30 to 55-year-old, was the boom age group that entered our market, many for the first time, because let's face it, they couldn't go anywhere else on holiday. Uh, and motomes at that point were still, you know, 40, 50K. Then the price hikes happened and the market went mad. And those motomes are now 50, 60, 70K. That's a big stretch for a family with kids. That's a lot more money than it used to be. Obviously it is, but do you know what I mean? It's a it's a big stretch to get that extra 20 or 30K over the line and into that motorhome. Uh, and so I'm seeing lots of these people are now you know, able to go abroad and they're selling the motorhome and making money on it. Again, that's free world for them to do that. What I am seeing is prices are becoming a little more, shall we say, sensible. We had a motorhome recently that we were advertising for £70,000. I happen to know that the current owner paid £58,000 for it over a year ago. And the market kind of said it's worth seventy. I'm really? Gosh, you know, and I'm always a bit uneasy about this. So we were brokering it for them and in discussion with them, we advertised it at £70,000. Didn't sell. Several weeks later, they became very motivated to sell, advertised it at £60,000, which is where I felt it should be, and sold it in a few days. And I think the market saw the price come down. I think people are savvy. I think people are thinking, I don't want to pay these overinflated prices anymore. I think the market know that the prices are, to a point, overinflated. Yes, they've gone up. Costs have gone up. Motorhomes have, everything's gone up, hasn't it? But nonetheless, I think people have got savvy to what they did cost two years ago, that information is still available if you know where to look uh, and think, no, I'm not going to overpay for it. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to pay a strong price, I get that, but I'm not overpaying. You mentioned capitalism and things are only worth what people are prepared to pay for them, aren't they? Well, of course. And if a dealer's bought a motorhome in for 60k, they're not going to sell it for 50. You know, they're charity reference number hasn't arrived in the post yet so <laughs> but just know. just referencing back to the manufacturers and their relationship with their dealerships is that uh, we, we talked about the contract between the dealership and the end customer the end user and it being a contract you'd think that contract would hold up between the motorhome manufacturer and the dealer mm-hmm. when they place the order but clearly motorhome manufacturers you know are demanding more evidence and saying hang on buddy uh, you know i'm going to sell you this motorhome but i'm going to sell it to you at 20 uh, 23 prices yeah that's well and it's just fair play isn't it that's what the man uh, I don't think that is fair I think you've gone into a contract you know you've placed the order the the, the motorhome manufacturer and the dealership have a close relationship because they are dealers I don't think that is fair I think that the manufacturer should swallow that and many dealers would agree with you there Keith I have to say Uh, and yeah I hear what you're saying the problem is for the manufacturer is their supply chain and put the prices up to them so one small issue Fiat so Stellantis Group started changing the spec of the chassis that were being supplied to the motorhome converter, the manufacturer, and adding things like electric handbrakes, 
LED lights, driving lights, all these extra functionality. None of that was in the original spec. And they've changed the price as a result. And the manufacturer said, well, we've got to pass this price increase on because actually it's not the same vehicle that you bought, that your customer ordered. Uh, And some manufacturers have swallowed that. Others have said to the dealer, no, we are going to have to pass this on. uh, And we encourage you to pass that on to your customer. And many people have had an experience where they've ordered for a price. It's been frozen and promised, but because the spec has changed, the price has gone up. And there are people I know who have pulled out and then the dealer has to find another buyer because they've committed to that chassis. So that has an impact for the dealer because they've only got a limited amount of money available on a credit line to fund this stock. They've committed to the stock. They know it's in short supply. So they're unlikely to fail on that commitment. And so they need another customer for it. So I'd love to know what your experience has been. Uh, If you can tell us if that's you in any of these scenarios, we'd love to hear your story because it's a changing landscape again. I think the market has been like a pendulum swing. It's gone all the way one way and it started to come back. How far beyond centre is it going to go? That's what I'm interested to observe. And we're doing that by getting your story. So what's been your experience? Will you tell us? We'd love to know. Absolutely. And if you're a dealer or a manufacturer that wants to remain anonymous, but tell us some uh, of the facts behind the story, then we can arrange that as well and uh, have your answers uh, voiced by an actor or somebody else. It would be great to hear from you so we can get a real handle on what the industry is doing so we can help everybody. Yeah, that's right. We genuinely would love to engage with you on that. So if you are a manufacturer, but you'd rather not have a say who you are, totally respect that. What we're interested in is the facts. You know, what's actually happening for you? What is happening in your supply chain? Uh, We're still trying to get Stellantis Group onto the podcast and they manufacture a Fiat, Peugeot and Citroën. Uh, And we're still hounding them, trying to get them to come on and talk about their experience and the issues that they have been facing. So if you are listening, you are very, very welcome. And I promise we're not throwing anyone under the bus here. We just want to know the facts of what's been happening behind the scenes uh, and what the future holds, because it's really important to us as we, you know, we're committing big sums of money into this fantastic pastime. uh, And we all want to continue doing that. So having that certainty of what's happening in the future is really important. Absolutely. We want happy campers all the way down the line, don't we? Uh, Okay, so we've covered, is it fair to capitalise on your price freeze promise? Why is the slowdown happening? Cost of living crisis, supply chain issues that have been there for the last couple of years. But what does the future hold, Matt, in your opinion? Well, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, I think we could see some change and some casualties as we go into the autumn and into the spring next year. Certainly on the retail side, has been very quiet and we're fortunate as a small family and friends business here our shop is growing it's new it's 18 months old and every day we get a new customer either walk in the shop or buy something from us online it's fantastic every day someone comes in says wow what an amazing little shop this is an aladdin's cave and i love hearing it and so we're growing but at a much slower rate than we anticipated or we wanted to experience but our wholesalers are saying matt it's just this is dire our order books are just really slow and they've all got stock. There's a backup of stock where retailers, certainly the bigger ones, are just traditionally would be ordering thousands of chairs and just aren't. You know, I had a report that one retailer said we've got enough stock to last us to the end of next season. Well, why is this happening? But the only thing I can deduce is that everybody went out last year and bought new tables and chairs and accessories and stuff, you know, because they bought a motorhome. They don't need to buy it again this year. So then there's not the appetite to buy 
the volume that we used to see. Uh, and I think, again, back to the cost of living crisis, people are looking at product and thinking, gosh, it's all gone up in price, which a lot of it has. Mm. Not all of it, I have to say, but people are saying, oh, I don't want to spend that. I'm going to buy a cheaper one from Asda. You know, and that happens. But that said, interestingly, we often talking about Crespo as a brand of, of outdoor furniture. I love it for lots of reasons. And it is a premium price product. It is a stunning product. If you buy one, if you buy a Crespo chair, you probably won't buy another one for 10 years. It's going to last. And we sell loads of them. There's certainly there's a, an element of our customer base that are saying, well, we want to spend a larger amount of money once. Yeah. And we want it to last. And they have a six-year warranty. You know, they are a product that you invest in and you can enjoy for a long period of time, rather than every year having to go and buy another one because something in the arm's broken or something's ripped. Yeah. So, so people are spending, but they're spending more wisely. They're much more thoughtfully, aren't they, on quality products. So do you think businesses will hold up and hold out? I think they will if businesses are investing in that quality product. Uh, the risk comes for those that just stack it high and sell it cheap. Uh, and I think that market is having its pockets squeezed. They may find that they just don't have enough footfall. The general consensus in the tourism industry is that if you can survive, whether you're in you know, catering, self-catering holidays, campsites, if you can survive this winter and get to next spring, you'll still be there next summer. So let's see. It's the Motorhome Map podcast brought to you with com. I'm Keith Gooden and... <laughs> Who are you? I'm Keith Gooden, and... I'm Motorhome Matt. Ah, he's the expert. I ask the silly questions. My favourite part of every podcast is where you talk directly to us. John Alexander got in touch. Hi, Matt. Your podcast is brilliant and very informative. I have a question about my fridge freezer in my 23-year-old Herald Squire motorhome. It's not very good. It's not cooling properly, and I feel like I need to change it. Do I stay with the three-way power, so gas, electric, 12 volt, 240, or is there another technology out there which would be better? I'm also running an inverter compressor fridge as a second option, and it's brilliant. It doesn't trouble the battery. I can go for 20 plus hours without troubling the battery, and I'm wondering, is there other options out there which would be better and do the job? So that's John Alexander. Didn't say where he was from. Please, when you do record your questions, put where you're from. It uh, helps us put a little pin on the map. We love doing that. With over 100,000 downloads and the top 2% of podcasts in the whole wide world, that pin collection has got very big. But anyway, can you call John Zarda for him? I will try. So if your fridge has lasted 23 years, John, that's very impressive. So I would say you've already answered the question, actually. An absorption fridge, which is the three-way fridge that you've got fitted, uh, struggles in the heat. I would say a compressor fridge. We're seeing more and more of them installed in new motorhomes. Way more efficient, slightly noisier, very slightly, but they work in all temperatures. Whereas the gas and electric, even on gas, the fridge struggles it gets to 20 degrees outside or more, then that fridge becomes quite inefficient. I would say consider a fitted compressor fridge. There are more and more of them on the market. Battery power and battery life is the consideration there because they do flatten the ledger battery really quickly. So I would consider a compressor fridge and a lithium battery setup if you if your budget stretches to it. But you're right, 20 hours of a compressor fridge running will take the life of the battery. So that's the only consideration is that they will kill the battery quite quickly. 
Hope that's helped you, John, and helps cool you down for the future. Andy Burnley is in Skipton. Hey, Matt, great YouTube feeds. He's been watching you on the YouTube channel. <laughs> Just getting into <laughs> this motorhome stuff and maybe buying one this year. Your site really helps. A question on parking, storing a motorhome. I'm hoping to park next to my house on a grassed area, but it's sloped. Not a big one, but a slope nonetheless. Would this be an issue? Would you advise to store on levelling wedges for long periods? Any advice would be most appreciated. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for watching. Great question. The first thing I'd flag is not the slope, but actually the grass. So the problem with grass is it attracts mice, rodents. Uh, it's going to keep water there. And having that under your motorhome is never a good idea. You definitely don't want to keep mice you know, inviting them into the motorhome at all. So I would consider patio slabbing it or doing something so that it's on hard standing rather than on grass. On a slope, it's not really an issue. In fact, arguably, it can be a benefit because it means the water's going to run off the roof. It's not going to pool on the roof and, and not going to make the roof filthy dirty. A top tip we had recently from Caravan Guard is park it nose in. So drive onto your drive and then put the steering wheel on a full lock. Makes them very, very difficult to tow away and steal. Uh, I thought that was a genius top tip from them. Otherwise, if you want to run the fridge in the camper before you go away, being on a slope might be an issue because if you're running it on gas, then that little burner needs to get the carbon monoxide up the flue and out the roof. If it's on a slope, that can be a bit of a challenge. Depends how big the slope is. So, yeah, levelling ramps will fix that. So Or levelling jacks or whatever you use. But I'd say reconsider the grass uh, before anything else. And if he doesn't have a choice, can he put something on top of the grass? Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, it's, it's about water retention, really. Uh, and having that moisture under the motor. It depends what the motor is. Andy hasn't said what the motor is. If it's got a wooden floor and it's living you know, less than a foot above a wet surface, that moisture is going to get absorbed by the floor and you're going to end up with a damp problem. So, um, yeah, just a consideration. If you're buying a newer motorhome that's got no wood in it, then it's less of an issue. Um, so, you know, that may be fine, but certainly that's something to consider. Matthew's in Wakefield. Do you think I can call him Matt? What? Welcome, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Bob, what can he call you? <laughs> Anything he likes. It would be good to hear what you have to say, says Matt, about differences between A-class and coach-built motorhomes. A lot of people, he says, are curious about A-class and why they look so different to the coach-builts. Mm, I guess in there, the green-eyed people then looking at the A-class going, oh, that's nice. Uh, or maybe they think, oh, here they come, <laughs> the fuckers. Uh, so we actually did an episode on this, didn't we, on different types of motorhome. Uh, where we talk about A-class, B-class and C-class or coach-built. Generally, though, an A-class motorhome is, is a motorhome with a great big windscreen. It looks like a bus. Can I call it that? It's a bit crude. A coach-built motorhome is usually built on a van. Uh, so it's the original cab, the original front doors, the original bonnet, and then the back end is a box that's put on. I'm being very crude here. An A-class is supplied to the manufacturer as a chassis, usually with the steering wheel and the dashboard, and that's it. And then the manufacturer adds the seats and an extended dashboard and a great big windscreen. So it's the same width from front to back, i.e. it's wide all the way to the front. Um, they cost a lot more A-classes because they have a lot more uh, crash testing, they have a lot more development, a lot more cost to manufacture. So these days, an A-class motorhome, you can spend in excess of, well, quarter of a million pounds, easy. Um, you think of an American RV then that is the classic A-class uh, motorhome. Uh, and, of course, we have them here in Europe and the UK, uh, but they do cost quite a lot more money. So I always joke, you know, you don't really get any more room in an A-class. 
what you get is more heads turning when you arrive on the campsite. As people say, oh, look at them in their posh motor room. <laughs> I've had one and they are lovely. It's great. The biggest fear for me with an A-class, I'll just add this, is the cost of the windscreen if you break it. Uh, we had an A-class on an American RV and it was £8,000. Uh, we broke a windscreen on our Adria Sonic uh, years ago. That's another A-class motorhome and I'm from memory. I think that was £800. And my other biggest fear with A-class motorhomes are the wing mirrors. So normally they drop down, like on a coach. Uh, so they're attached at the top rather than at the bottom on an arm that drops down. If you hit one of those, you can be into a £1,000 plus to replace or repair. Um, and they can do quite a lot of damage to the bodywork because they're attached to the motorhome body rather than the metal body of the door, like a coach built. So um, if you ever hit the mirror, it can be very expensive. There you go, Matthew. I hope that's answered some questions. If you've got bottomless pockets, uh, go for that one in Meet the Fockers, by the way, that Matt was referring to, which is an American film where their surname is Fokker, and Robert De Niro was the daddy with a very nice RV. How do people get in touch then, Matt? You can do it really easily. Go to our website, motorhomemat.co.uk and forward slash ask Matt, where you can leave us a question. We'd love it if you record it. Just hit the orange button, record your question. You can play it back and check you're happy with it. Please tell us where you are in the country. We love to know where our listeners are. If you'd rather not record a question, you can fill in the form and submit it there. And you will also find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and also on YouTube, where you can watch the podcast, Two Fat Old Men Being Recorded at a Table. You speak for yourself. I'm not old. Uh, <laughs> Apple and Spotify consumers, what can they do? Well, you can leave us a review there, and we would love that. It really helps us spread the word of the podcast. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple or on Spotify, we'd be ever so grateful. And if you'd share it with a friend as well, we would love that too. Maybe we can help them with a query they've got or a question they're too scared to ask. And of course, we're always looking for partners for the Motorhome Matt podcast because we're talking directly to your customers. What can people do? Dealers yeah. and retailers. Yeah, well, if you've got a product or a brand that you'd like to give some exposure to our fantastic growing audience, you can find out more at our website, motorhomemat.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com.